Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up? And welcome to Social Jello with Angelo. I'm here today with guest Joey Gaitan. And he is a pro wrestler. We're going to be talking about the connection between MMA and pro wrestling. And in particular, I had Joey come down because、uh, I was talking to Coach Mickey Lopez. He recommended him. And he, I was telling him I wanted to talk to a pro wrestler about MMA. And, and I'm lucky enough that Joey also does Kaju Kembo. So I was like, nice. This is, this is like all three things. I, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to find all three. And I got really lucky that I found you. So thanks, Joey, for coming on the yeah, show.、Man. And I also know your coach, Mickey Lopez. Yeah.、Uh, yeah. I know him personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it all, it all came together. So I'm really, I'm really happy about that. So, Joey,、um, I guess let's open things up real quick with your martial arts journey. How did you, I mean, you got into pro wrestling somewhere along the line. We'll get there soon. But what got you interested in martial arts? Or how did you even get started with that? Uh, what got me interested in the martial arts was,、um, you know, I'm 42 years old, so I grew up in the 80s. I was a kid in the 80s. So we were spoiled with、uh, action heroes. And,、um, you know, my parents always took me to the movies, or I was always watching action movies with my cousins. But what really, really hooked me in was Bruce Lee, like everybody else, you know. So growing up as a kid, you know, he passed in the, in the、uh, mid. Like big time in, in the 80s. And,、um, you know, as a kid, you just wanted to emulate that. As, as,、um, as a matter of fact,、uh, I wanted to emulate that so bad.、Um, I remember this one time、um, uh, at camp. I remember this one time my, <laughs> my mom had hired a belly dancer for my, my father for his birthday party. And at the end of the party, after the belly dancer, you know, really hot girl, she was, you know, all in her, her gimmick.、Uh, my mom was paying her out. And I remember I, I walked up to my mom on like her waist level and I'm telling her, Mom,、uh, we're going to be late to karate practice. I got to go. And she's like, Son, you don't even take karate. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, like, like I, I, of course, I was trying to, you know, impress the girl, the belly dancer that I, you know, I was,、uh, you know, doing karate at, at five years old or however old I was. But I remember at that age, like I wanted to do karate so bad, but I never really got into it. What really got me to actually physically、um, walk into a dojo was、uh, I was playing baseball. Uh, uh, I don't know, it was like 95, 96. No, no, 94. It was 1994. And、um, I was part of a baseball team. And to make a long story short, this dude started picking on me. And, and, he, and he put his hand under his shirt, like he was like this, like he had a knife. And, and I was a, I'm a kid. I play with toys and I play sports. You know, I mean, I'm, not a, I'm not a criminal. I don't stab people. But he made me mad. He made me really mad. So when he acted like he was going to stab me, I grabbed a, we were at baseball practice. So I grabbed a baseball bat. You know what I mean? So I'll take a chance with the knife and the bat. But he made me so mad、uh, that I, I wanted to figure out how to fight physically with my hands. What if you don't have a bat? What if you don't have a knife? What if he has a knife? You have nothing. 
So this was, um, I was probably a sophomore in high school. Uh, this is the nineties, you know? Um, so I walked into Bob Hernandez Kajakembo in Union city, California. Um, and, uh, you know, the, and I took it from there, you know, like every white belt, you know, learning the forms and the, you know, the, 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 uh, concentrations and the, and the opinions, you know, um, uh, and then from all the way from the uh, 94 to about 99, 2000, uh, I made it all up to my Brown belt and, and, um, you know, I did all the tournaments, uh, I did all the college Kembo tournaments, um, and one of the things I loved about my, 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 at the time, his name was Sifu, Bob Hernandez. He's now a Seagung. Um, at the time he was a Sifu. And this is one of the most coolest things about doing the tournaments. You know, you go to the high school gyms, it's nothing fancy, you know, but there's a lot of people. And when you're a kid, you know, that that's awesome. You're, you're like, cause my dream was always to be a professional wrestler, an actor, a pro wrestler and a, and a rock and roll star. Uh, I, I've done okay with two. Uh, I can't sing a lick, so I, I haven't done nothing with that. But when you're a kid in the '90s, and this is before social media, this is and your your dream is you want to be a performer, dude. These karate tournaments were off the hook because you had hundreds of people, and then and then and then sometimes you know they had four or five fights in one area, but and sometimes the higher up you'd make it, you'd get a bigger area uh, and more attention. So, so man, they made these fights awesome, man. So, you know, I, I did, I did pretty good on the little tournament scene, a little, you know, nothing, nothing really, uh, fancy, nothing, but one of, one of my, uh, sorry if I'm rambling, but um, no, no, no. one of my favorite, one of my favorite things about this tournament deal was my, my, uh, my Sifu at the time, uh, Bob Hernandez, um, he taught me this really dope. I had a re- I was known, you can ask uh, your coach Mickey about this. Maybe he remembers, maybe not. He kicked my ass more than anything. Um, I used to have a nice uh, spinning, uh, I guess you'd call it a a spinning hook kick. Yeah, I had a spinning hook kick, a really nice one. And I used to get a lot of people on that one in the tournaments and and, and yada, yada, yada. It was one time the the kid had no chance and he had his hands up and, and I did one of those deals and I knocked the wind out of him and he fell, knocked out. And, you know, in the tournament deal, you got to get down on your knees and you got to face the other way. So it's, you know, your sign of respect and stuff like that. And then my, 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 my Sifu walks up to me and he has his arms all crossed and he's just like, he walks up to me and he leans into me. He leans into my ear and he goes, uh, you know, that kick you just did. I want you to do it again. And then he leans back out like that. I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "Oh damn!" I was that, like, "Damn!" I thought he was gonna—I thought he was gonna like yell at me and, and like condemn me and like, "How could you hurt that kid like that?" But no, he told me to do it again because you know that kid's hurt now because like, he was scared. So I, I went straight for it again. And, and anyways, um, I, that, I won that, that one. By the way, that, that was very—that was very Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you know what though was awesome is, is he's, such a sweet, he's such a sweet man. Him and his family, his his, his son, you know. Uh, and you know what? And and this is before social media. I, I can't stress this enough, man. Uh, we used to just get together, and, and we used to just uh, spar. You know, outside of class, we had groups. That's how I know your coach Mickey. I'm gonna tell you a funny story. Uh, <laughs> let me let me tell you. A my uh brown brown belt that was about as far as i got with kaji kembo because i moved to la and you know i just got into so many different things i i stopped training um 
you know, with, with a school. Um, we okay. Remember uh, uh, AOL in the chat rooms and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we okay. So so I used to teach uh, aerobics uh, at, at a gym, and we would call it Joey Bow. It was like Tybo. Remember Tybo? Yeah. yeah so it was, yeah. Like, it was like it was like a rip off of that. And and I used to have access to this gym that had a really padded floor, and uh, we used to go in there. We used to roll. See, the one thing I love about Kaji Kembo is it, it's everything goes it's it's everything goes it's five it's what four systems in, into one ka which is uh korean karate jew judo kempo and and bo chinese boxing uh kung fu so you get all these systems implemented into one fighting system so there's no like if there's no honor you're gonna kick a guy in the nuts to win you're gonna do it um uh, we used to get together uh, outside of class on, on the weekends me mickey uh, another a good friend of mine uh, uh, named Dominic Dominic Alvarez, who, who's, who's really a high-ranking black belt right now in Kaji Kembo. Uh, we used to get together and we used to uh, roll. Uh, that's what we would call it, grappling. We used to grapple. So we would implement the, 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 the stand-up fighting of Kaji Kembo. And, if you kn- and like most fighters know, uh, all fights go to the floor. Whether you fall, they fall, you both fall, you're fighting in a bar, you slip, you're fighting in a bathroom stall, you slip. Um, so you got to be able to prepare to fight up top and down. Um, and, and that's one of the beautiful things about Kaji Kembo. Uh, and we used to implement the rolling on Sundays at this gym that I used to do uh, teach aerobics at, uh, Joey Bo. So... Uh, we had a few good classes, just just us, me, Mickey, Dominic, and, and another good uh, friend of ours named Spencer at the time. Really good rolling sessions. I learned a lot. We used to work on a screamer. We used to do all kinds of stuff out, out, outside of class. And then Mickey, Mickey, your coach Mickey, <laughs> was chatting on the internet in the chat rooms with other grapplers in the Bay Area. This, this was in the San Francisco Bay Area. This had to be, I don't know, 98, 99. This had to be 98, 99. Uh, he, so this is when chat rooms were big. There was no social media. And, and he's chatting away with other grapplers, inviting them to come <laughs> grapple with us. Yeah. Like, we're just chill dudes. We're like, we're cool, man. You know, we like to, we like to really chill and, and just do our thing and like more flow and learn from each other. We're not trying to grapple with 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 the strangers and fight people <laughs> well mickey your coach mickey he invited this guy over and this guy let's just say he wasn't the sharpest uh knife in the drawer he was a few bricks short of a load <laughs> if you pick up what i'm laying down yeah 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 the the wheel was turning but the rat was dead is what i'm trying to say <laughs> He invited this guy over, right? And we're all grappling in, in, in gym shirts, you know, tank tops, you know, gym shorts. You know, we're, we're, bo- we're boys. He shows up in a gi, a black belt and a, and a gi, like, like, like all serious. And, 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 and right away, he took a very big dislike to me for some reason. And I, I had really long blonde hair and tattoos. And, you know, I was kind of cocky back then. Pro wrestling humbled me. Pro wrestling humbled me. Being a pro wrestler absolutely humbled me. Meaning, like, meeting and being in the ring, 
and, and in bars with people who kill me, uh, humbled me. And, and just people who are better than you at what you want to do uh, humbled me. So back then, I wasn't as humbled because I was still on, the, on, my, on my way up trying to like prove everything. So I, I, was, I, was, I, was a, I was a slim trim, 145 pounds of muscle and steel and sex appeal. <laughs> and um, this, this big guy, he was a big guy and just he looked like he was built like a brick shit house. He was just so big and, and, and he comes all serious and, and right away he starts fighting with me. So we start stand up fighting. No, 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 no. I'm lying. I'm lying. Let me, let me take that back. We start grappling. We're grappling. And he's on top of me and he outweighed me by like probably three people. And, and, and he's just on top of me saying, go wherever you want to go. I'm still going to get you. doesn't matter. Do what you want. Do what you want. Wow. And then I, and then he, he, he wouldn't let me get out of his guard. He's on top of me. I thought we we're trying to learn from each other. He was bullying me. And I never, I, I'm not a tough guy. Like I'm not, I'm not like one to start a fight. That's another thing. Martial, martial arts taught me never to offend people, but, but pro wrestling, I got paid to offend people. <laughs> so it, it, it's really yin and yang, man. But, but in the real life world, um, you want to stay, you want to fly low, you open doors for old ladies. You help the blind. Like, you know, you don't, you don't, you gotta be a good person. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. This, this guy was not a good person and he didn't like me for whatever reason. So he made me mad. So after a few attempts at the grappling, I try to stand up and he goes, no, 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 no. I, I go, I go, why don't we stand up fight? Because I had a cocky stand up fight game and he goes, okay. So when we stood up and we're sparring, we're just supposed to be sparring. He attacked me like for real, for, for real, for real attacked me. Um, he lunged at me and you know, you're supposed to move lateral. You don't move backwards in, in a fight. I moved backwards and he, and he ripped off my big toenail, my left toenail. He, he ripped it off. It got ripped off. He takes me down in a rear naked choke. I mean, uh, he takes me down in a front face lock and takes me down. And then he picked, me up in a rear naked choke so now he's got me like this and he picked no no no. i'm sorry i'm sorry a guillotine choke it was like one of these bad boys right here where where you know you know you got the neck you know you just do one of those yeah and your head your so, head your head is stuck on the inside yeah. on this side over here yes and, yeah. and he lifted my feet off the ground <laughs> so he was getting ready to take me over And then, and then my boys, of course mickey wasn't here that day the day he invited this guy <laughs> he wasn't even there So my other boys, thank God they were there. They st they stepped in. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so, so I think right around there is where my martial arts career ended. And, and then my aspirations to move to Hollywood began because the right around there is like where it was, it was a wrap for me. But that was pretty much my, mar my, my martial arts experience. But, um, you know, I had a blast, you know. Man, you, I, I met some of the best friends of my life, some of the best times. You know, some of the best workouts, sparring, banging, you know, I, I miss it. I really do. Talking to you makes me miss it. <laughs> so one thing I, I need to put a disclaimer. So I, I call I call on the show, I call uh, Mickey Lopez, Coach Mickey, because that's the name I gave him. He's actually not my coach. I should probably say that. He's I have worked with him and he's coached me before. But he's like, my instructor is actually uh, Ronnie Sigiri from the San Diego area. But I actually met Mickey about, awesome. 
I met Mickey through John Hoylo. See, y'all are coming from the from the Bay Area under the you're under the are you under the Gaylord method too or? Um, from a no. different branch. Yeah, from a, from a different. You know what? That's that. Uh, that's funny. I'm I'm so glad you asked that because now it makes me think back. Um, that's a good question. But uh, like I, I studied under 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 um, Sigung Bob Hernandez. Uh, and who he studied under, uh, man, I, I, the name, Fra uh, I don't know about, ah, Jesus. You know what? I'm going to have to just say, um, I can't remember, man. No, that's cool. That's, um, cool. that's cool. That's cool. Um, I can probably. It might have been because I've heard that name. I, I've, I've heard that name. Okay. 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 Right now I got, I'm getting some names here. I'm getting some names here. When I, when I typed in Sigung Bob Hernandez, um, I'm seeing some older quotes from some other stuff in Kaiju Cambo. But yeah, I, I, I actually don't. I've seen, I, I've seen Bob Hernandez on the tree. Okay. It sounds like it, it's related to, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to sub quote this. All right. Um, they're talking about someone else who got their black belt under Sifu Owens, who awarded him a third degree belt in Wong Hop Kundo. And then Professor Banuelos received his fifth degree from Aguan Tony Ramos. He received his professorship from Grandmaster Gary Forbeck. Okay, and Grandmaster Tetsu in 2007. I didn't know much about his teachers. I'm trying to find out where he is, though. No, nah, that's 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 sub information. I can't find Hernandez. All right, but yeah, he's not he's not under the Gaylord method, and I can't at the moment at this moment I don't have the tree. I ordered the oh for those people wondering what the fuck I'm talking about. There's this tree. <laughs> there's a tree. It's not physical, but it's this giant map. That was put together by I always mess up his name too. Philip, Philip, Philip. Here I'm gonna look him up real quick. Philip. You know, it's Philip, been about Philip Gelinas. Philip Gelinas. He comes out of Canada, and uh, he's put together this tree. So I, but just to just to, for any Kaju Kimbo people listening, um, Joey doesn't know, and we're gonna have to stop there as far as the history is concerned because i'm not going to try to attempt to put wrong names out there and get yelled yeah. At yeah yeah no 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 yeah yeah i don't you know i will say this about the history you can you can cut all that out i can tell you the history and i'm proud of myself because i remember this I, I haven't trained uh you know in a school for 20 plus years but i remember the number one guy the number one guy who at the head of the tree and you could put this out there is adrian adriano emperado that's Adriano right. J. Imperato. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it started with him and, and it started in Hawaii. And it's and it's four. Is it four or is it five? Is it four or five systems put into one? It's five, yeah. Ka Ju Kambo. Um oh yeah, Ka for yeah, Ka for Karado, Ju for Judo, Ken for Kempo, and then Kung Fu. So it's it's according to the acronym, it's four. And then some people will, right. will say that the Ju and the judo jujitsu makes it five. So, right. And then now it's evolved, man. It's evolved, brother. Like <laughs> that's the original acronym was that. And then anybody who's been following this series and listening to the different people I've interviewed, if you, if this is your first interview, welcome. I do encourage you to check out the Kaja Kimbo series. You're going to find out that through each interview, it gets really uh, intricate, I guess would be one word to use, but diverse would be another word to use. Every single instructor has a different approach and adds a little more. So like one of the cool things that you just talked about right now, how you said after class, we have this core system, right? The Ka for Judo, the Ju. You mentioned pinyons. 
So I'm going to go back to your story. People are like, what's a pinon? A pinon are these basic sets that all that mixed our acronym up there, that, that Kaju Kimbo acronym you see above my head. They made these forms that mimicked the, that they came up with themselves. They grabbed a little bit from each art and came up with these movements that they decided to make for their system. Um, so because of that, we'd stick to that. And then our sparring was always open. We always were allowed to quote unquote bang or, or go with light contact. But during sparring, there was very little that was controlled. Um, like you said, if there was a clinch, maybe it was up to the instructor and what they were working that day. So if you're going to have a kickboxing tournament, of course, you're going to focus on kickboxing. But if you're just having Kaja Kimball sparring, it's pretty much an agreement between you and your sparring partner or what the rules will be. And if the rules are no rules, then again, I'm not trying to make it sound hardcore. I've said this before. I, I'm, I lean away from trying to make it sound more hardcore than it is because everybody, I hate the word hardcore. Like, you know, anybody who goes with me is hardcore. I immediately, in my mind, it must not be that hardcore. You shouldn't have to say it. <laughs> you shouldn't have to say it if it's that hardcore. But I am going to say it's a very loose oh. rule set. <laughs> I think that would be the best way to say it. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you said another word, uh, bang. That's what we used to call it. Um, and what we would do, was uh they would say sparring night and man we would all like i i'm not even just saying this just i'm not trying to lie to kick it when we knew we were going to spar there's a few a few selective of us that would like we'd smile and look at each other like yeah <laughs> it's because we knew okay i could bang with him i could bang with him all right she's kind of new she's just starting to start but we still kind of sparred with the girls the same as the dudes the same with wrestling if when you girl you body slam her the same way you're going to give it to a dude so we would treat the girls the same way at, at Hernandez College Kembo. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, as a human, you know, you can't bang on this little girl who just started, you know what I'm saying? You got to work <laughs> yeah. with her. So, so you work a line, there's a line. So, you know, you, you get up with the person and then you guys just start going at it a little bit and then they go switch. Next guy comes up. All right. This guy's a little more advanced. All right. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. Okay. And then, and then there's a guy that you're kind of competitive with and then you guys start going at it. Man, I, I man, I love it. I, I love Kaja Kimbo. and that you know what? And I've, I've, I've kind of flirted with learning other uh, uh, disciplines, but I, I really love the free range of Kaja Kimbo. Like really seriously, like having a, a Sifu or a Seagung saying, "Hey, listen, man, if you got to bite the guy in the dick, just fuck." He never said that, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, if you got to bite somebody somewhere to get out of a hold or get out of just get out of danger. Then, then, then that's what you got to do. Um, I really love that. I really love that 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 whole that mentality. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and everything was a weapon on your body. Everything was a weapon. Your knees, your elbows, your head biting. You know, uh, your 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 fists. You know, uh, everything was a, was a weapon. They taught us how to use uh, how to use everything. Yeah, and that, that that's the beauty of Kaju Kimbo. People always ask me like. Because I've done, I like, I'm, I'm very similar. I, you know, I, I've fought in MMA and I've done a lot of stuff, but I still, I was talking to the Kajikubo instructor and we were talking about how we get bored easily. Like if you told me, hey, we're just going to be doing, and I also study, you know, I, I'm, I also study Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I've studied kickboxing. I've put myself in these situations where I study one system, but I get bored. Like <laughs> I get bored. I, I'm cool human. with it. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I, I, I like yeah. it. I enjoy it. I'll keep practicing it, but I still always want to come back to my Kaja Kembo because I'm allowed to do more stuff. I'm just allowed to do more stuff. I love MMA. I love MMA. I love training MMA. I love sparring MMA, 
Um, I'm, I'm retired, but I do enjoy it. I do enjoy the sparring, but I get frustrated with stuff like, oh man, I can't grab his shirt. He's wearing a, I remember the first time I did MMA, I came from Kaju Kembo thinking that I was humble at that point. I was like, these MMA guys know something I don't because I don't do MMA. Right. I've, never, I've never fought in a cage. I've only fought at the Kaju Kembo at the open tournaments at, in the high school yeah. auditoriums or college auditoriums. I did, an, I did a few MMA tournaments in that same setting. By the way, I did MMA yeah. tournaments in that same setting. I've been to MMA. I've been to MMA fights in in that same setting. Yeah, so yeah. So there was too. no there was no cage, but we had the same yeah. rules and uh, and no mats. But <laughs> so like, <laughs> wow. Wow. just just that hard basketball floor. <laughs> so yeah. like, yeah, but yeah, I've landed like, on a few of those again. Like, but I I figured you know they do something different. So when I went in. Uh, I remember we started up. Okay, let's do some. Let's do some MMA sparring. All right, cool. So the guy comes in to do a double leg takedown. I stuff the takedown and I grab his shirt. I grab his shirt and do uh, our our takedown where we grab the two back of the gi and we do that that little judo takedown. I grab his his rash guard and do that, and he gets upset. He got flustered. Like I threw him on the ground. He's like, stop, stop. And it, it, it's in Japanese. Like he's like, you're not allowed to grab my shirt in MMA and you broke the rules and this is an expensive shirt, bro. Like <laughs> this trash card's like 80 bucks. You're going to rip it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know that. I, right. Sorry. I didn't know those right, rules. Right. Like, okay, well explain to me the rules one more time. So I can't grab the shirt. Can I grab the shorts? Cause the shorts are a little loose. No, you can't grab the shorts. Okay, cool. Okay. All right. No, no. But yeah, Kaju Kippo doesn't have that yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you um you did a Kajukembo through Ananda's Kajukembo. That was the first martial art you actually got into. Like you started with Kajukembo. You had a lot of inspirations, Bruce Lee. Um, you mentioned pro when I'm guessing uh, Steve, uh, Steven Seagal. Watching Steven, Steven Seagal, Seagal growing up, Steven I Seagal. really love Steven Seagal. I mean uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Uh, I mean, and then and then you had a. Uh, then you had the, the, the knockoff of Bruce Lee. You had Bruce Bruce Lai. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you also in the '80s you had all these dope ninja movies. So like it was just everywhere. Like like martial arts was like it still is. I mean, it's evolved into what you, we all know as MMA now. Like that's what it's evolved into. Um, but yeah, bro, it was just so huge in the '80s, man. So I had a lot of inspirations from Hollywood. Anything I saw on film and watching the the fighting sequences, the choreography. That's that's what made me uh, really made me want to come out, you know, was uh, watching martial arts on on TV and seeing it in the movies, seeing it on the on the movie screen. I was like, I want to do that someday, you know. That so that that was another inspiration, you know. Well, on what not only just doing the martial arts, but what can you do with it if you know martial arts? If you take it to the screen, to the t television screen, or whatever. Yeah, and um, one. So when um in the middle of all this, obviously you were also watching pro wrestling as a kid. Yes. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, another thing my my parents would take me to is the live events. Oh, okay. So in the Bay Area, they would take me to the Oakland Coliseum, which is uh my favorite uh stadium I've ever been to, because uh, the memories and the matches. Um, you know, one time. Uh, I was I was at one of these. Uh, no, no, no. We were at a, a Warriors game at the Oakland Coliseum. So it had to be like 1986, 87. And my dad had taken me to a game. And during halftime, there was a martial arts presentation. So this is the whole stadium. 
this is another huge inspiration from him. Sorry if I'm getting backtracked. Oh, no, no, tell no, you, no. That's good. I got to tell you another huge martial art slash Hollywood inspiration for me. Um, so at this game, there was a halftime martial art uh, presentation. So they got these thugs and like these trash cans, like these props down on the floor. And uh, down the stairs, you know, this is in a sold out stadium. It's a little kid who starts running. They announced him. So he starts running down the stairs. Starts running, 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 running. He makes his way to the center stage and he starts just beating up these thugs and woo, 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 going through all these moves. It was Ernie Reyes Jr. Do you know who Ernie Reyes Jr. is? I do not know who Ernie Reyes Jr. is. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, he was a dope uh, uh, mar- a martial artist. And as a kid, he, he got some starring roles and some Disney stuff. And you might have heard of his father's. Um, uh, Karate uh, discipline. Uh, he has some schools. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Are you talking the guy from uh, Ninja Turtles Two? That's Ernie Reyes Jr. And Surf Ninjas. That's Ernie Reyes Jr. Uh wait a second. You know what? They have a school. The family someone, runs a school. Someone who someone I interviewed knows knows these people. I forgot who I yeah. interviewed. Yeah, the, the family runs a karate school. Yeah, it's, uh, I, it, I I can't. It's Ray. I, you know, it's been a while. But, um, you know, watching this kid in the 80s, uh, he had a movie on Disney called The Last Electric Night. And, 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 and to see him on the TV screen and then see what he did on the screen live in front of a sold-out stadium, dude, this whole stadium, like, they were going crazy over this kid. So, man, I, I just, I've always wanted to do stuff like that, which led me to where I'm at today. But, but, but martial arts has always played a huge part in my, in my life. So, man, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of, of, of the times and the experience and the knowledge because it's still with me. It's not like it left. You know, I still not throw that spinning around, uh, uh, that spinning around house. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you did your Kaji Kambo. You were inspired by pro wrestling as well. What, how did you make that? How did you make that jump? So, like, at one point, at one point, you know, and this happens, you know, you, you uh, you 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 went through the ranks and then you continue your life moved on career how did you make that transition how did you get into pro wrestling how that how that happen well it, uh it all really how it, what really sparked it off and, and you might be a little too young for this but there was a tv show called happy days i don't know okay. if you've heard of that tv show happy yeah, days yeah i remember happy days you know who the fonz who the who the Fonz is, the guy who goes, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an actor by the name of Henry Winkler. So I, I, ran, I met him in um, Hawaii. And I was out there promoting my band's album at the time. And um, I just I had um, such a huge uh, experience in Hawaii, that, that trip, and meeting Henry Winkler. And he was so cool to me. He was such a nice guy just talking with him. And I gave him uh, my CDs, my band CD. He had two of his twin sons with him. And I'm pretty sure they, they used my CD as a Frisbee as soon as I left or something. <laughs> but uh, uh, meeting him and that interaction, it dawned on me that, you know what? I, I gotta, I gotta go to LA. What? You're only going to make it so far giving your, your product to family and friends. Like you need to go to Hollywood and get your music out there. I was trying to make it in music. That's what got me to Hollywood. That was, the, the dream I was, you know, chasing to get me to go to Hollywood. Um, 
but, uh, but my whole life I've always wanted to be uh, an actor, a wrestler and, and in a rock band. So at the time I was giving away that CD, met Henry Winkler. I said, you know what, let me go to Hollywood. And, and then I uh, came to Hollywood. This is July, 2001. And I, I, I got a hotel, stayed in Hollywood for a week, just passing out my CDs. And then on my last night, uh, uh, before I was gonna go out and pass out CDs, I was watching a TV show called Judge Judy. And uh, when it went to commercial break, there was this uh, announcement that came on and it was uh, an audition that night. To, uh, you can go down and audition to be on a TV show. It, it was a reality show at the time called Shipmates. It was like a dating show on, on a boat. And I was like, oh damn, I'll go down there. I'll, I'll drink and I'll give out my CDs and audition. And that's what I did. Uh, it's weird because Hadn't I not seen that commercial? I don't know where my life would be right now. It, it was Judge Judy, and it went straight to this commercial. And because of that commercial, I said, I'm going to go down to the Roxy, which is on uh, Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. And uh, I went down there. And while I was down there, uh, I met somebody who, who I gave my CD to, and he changed my That's That's really what got me started in Hollywood. And I started doing television, got into some uh, co-starring roles while, while living out here. Um, I've done TV shows like CSI Miami. I played Trevor Battle on CSI Miami. Um, I, I played uh, multiple cholos in, in TV shows like uh, The Mentalist, Two and a Half Men. Um, I, just I saw you in The Mentalist. I thought you looked familiar. You? Yeah, because that was one of my favorite shows. I, I finished that thing. I, I binge watched that a little while yeah, ago. Yeah, um, that's that was actually one of my 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 favorite experiences as an actor, because um, uh, when because I shoot a girl, I shoot a girl, uh, and when you shoot a real like like it's it's a real shotgun and they're blanks, so it's the that's everything. So when you're shooting, it's not really hard. It's not really e I'm sorry, it's not really hard. I mean, you're not acting. It's like Oh damn! You know it's so. Just the acting was really real that on that on that scene. So it was it was probably one of my my favorite experiences uh, out, out here. But um, started doing TV shows, and um, it was around 2010. You know, I, I had some money from the TV shows and stuff, and I said, you know what? Uh, I want to throw a pro wrestling show. I want I, I want to rent a ring out, rent a venue, hire wrestlers. And I want to be the ring announcer because I'm also a DJ. I got like nine. I'm Mexican. So I got like nine to 10 jobs. <laughs> and, and, and one of them is a DJ out here in L.A. Uh, I do weddings. I do corporate events, whatever, whatever you, you, you name it. Um, and uh, damn it. I, I forgot. I, I forgot what I was saying, brother. I'm sorry. I, I get sidetracked when I ramble on so much. I know it was, it was ta I was talking about the DJ. Oh no no! You, you said you you wanted to be the ring announcer for this for this place that you rented out. Yeah yeah, thank you thank you so much for that. Thank you. Yes, and 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 so um, this is how life works. The, and I and I and I talk to kids a lot, you know, and I don't cuss when I talk to kids, but I I tell them that life uh, sometimes will throw you a curveball. You know, maybe you don't get what you want, but it gives you something else. So what what really sparked my pro wrestling career was uh, around the time I, I wanted to throw a pro wrestling show. I knew this guy. He's like a scam artist. And uh, he's always running angles. But somehow he got two. I won't say their names just yet. I'll, maybe sometime down the line. But he got two famous wrestlers. Uh, 
two WWF guys to come down on Hollywood Boulevard and do an a, a autograph signing, special appearance. Now, normally these wrestlers charge anywhere from 700 and up for these appearances. He got these two guys to show up with no guarantee, like, like nothing, but they still showed up. And he wanted me to DJ it. So I showed up one, this day to DJ it. The, the wrestlers showed up, but not one customer showed up. Not one. And, and, and within five minutes, they canceled it. After they showed up, they saw there was no line. There should have been a line. Like It, it, it was horrible. Horribly planned. Fail. So the guy who, who hired me starts crying to the wrestlers. Like, literally, tears coming out. Oh, I am it. And then those two wrestlers had a, uh, some guy with them, a Mexican guy named Mario. Never trust a guy named Mario. Anyways, he, in crying, he's like sobbing because these wrestlers wanted to kick his ass, but he, he was so small. He was such a tiny little guy that they, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, beat him up. Otherwise, they'd get charged with child abuse or something. But um, uh, he's sobbing, and in the middle of sobbing, he just tells me, Joey, that guy has a ring. And he was talking about the Mexican guy that came with the two wrestlers. So as they're walking down the street plotting to kill him, he's shuffling behind me crying. I talk to the Mexican guy, Mario, and I go, hey, man, I heard you got a ring. So me and him start talking. Long story short, I never went through him, but I got the ball rolling. I then um, That's what got me to meet the famous um, Anawai'i family, the Samoans. Uh, you know who uh, Rikishi Fatu is? Yeah. So the, they have a school named Knox Pro in Sun Valley, California. This is 2010. And so on Craigslist, I put an ad out looking for a venue. Uh, and and uh, Reno, his name's Reno. He's the one that runs Knox Pro. Uh, he, uh, he replied to me and said, uh, hey, uh, come on down, check our venue out. And uh, let's see if you're interested. So I went down there and right away, I was impressed. It was Rikishi, Gangrel, uh, it was Black Pearl, and like WWE style wrestling in this little warehouse in Sun Valley. But their production sucked. They were they were doing their lights. They were doing their announcements out of a bass guitar amp, and it sounded horrible. <laughs> but but the wrestling was on point. It was dope. So when I went to the venue, I, I my whole perspective changed, and I said, "Wait a minute." Maybe I could run their lights and sound. I got all my own equipment because I just wanted to be around the wrestling. Like I, 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 I could have been a wrestler a long time ago, but to be honest, the risk that we take and the risk, the risk that wrestlers take, I never thought I was able up to, I never thought I could do it. So I didn't come to this wrestling school thinking I was going to be a wrestler, but I wanted to be around it. So I got to the school I started working with them, doing the DJing, the lights. I started playing the music to when the wrestlers would go to the ring. And I would, start, I would announce, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the experience. Like, I would do all the ring announcing. And then, you know, the wrestlers would come to the ring. I would announce them, you know, weighing in at 125 pounds of muscle and steel and sex appeal from Hollywood, California, TMD. I would do all that shit. And then I would play the music run all the lights and then they heard me on the microphone and they're like damn you should be part of the show you should be a, a manager you should be on the microphone 
I was like, okay, I'll do that. That's what I've always wanted to do. Anyways, I was just trying to do all this just to get in, you know, any way I can get my foot in the business. And um, once once I, I got the green light to be a manager, I, see, now I've always, I've watched wrestling my whole life. And I love managers. My favorite manager of all time is Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, see, I, I'm old school. I don't know if you know of any managers right now because there's not any, but all the greatest managers came from the 80s. Bobby the Brain Heenan, Mr. Fuji, Sherry Martell, Scary Sherry, Miss Elizabeth. Uh, I mean, the list goes slick, the Reverend Slick. I mean, I mean, you know, I was like, I can do that for sure. I can go out there and, and talk on the microphone and, and do all that kind of stuff. It was the bumps and the falls and the impact and the physicality. I didn't know if I could do that. So when I got the green light to be a manager, uh, Reno, who wrestles at the Black Pearl, Reno on Hawaii, he goes, well, if you're going to be a manager, you got to learn how to work, meaning I got to learn how to wrestle. So that's how I became a wrestler. Um, it, it, I didn't show up, you know, uh, you know, like, like every student usually does. And, and, and you know, I, I really got into the back door and I worked my way just to show them I was good enough to get a chance. So when they heard me on the microphone, it was like, OK. And then when they put me in the ring, you know, I'm not the greatest wrestler, but but um, I got a good foundation and my charisma, which is really important, it, uh, can carry you a long way. So you may not be the greatest wrestler, Hulk Hogan, but your charisma will get you to the highest level, Hulk Hogan. So, you know, I, you know, I just, uh, I've been having a blast, man. I've been doing it for 10 years now. You know, and here, now we're going to get back into the question that I, that I originally started the podcast with was the connection between MMA and pro wrestling. What from, from doing pro wrestling and doing Kaju Kembo. So and Kaju Kembo is a type of MMA, but like you said, you never really had, in your story, you never really had, it's kind of different. Your story is really different from what, and again, I, I tell my viewers, I don't know. I'm hearing this story for the first time with you, right? With my listeners. Yeah. So like when I interviewed Joey, um, I had some assumptions that were proven wrong real quick. Um, so like, for example, a lot of the pro, I have, inter I've had talked to pro wrestlers before. Many of them actually from the very beginning from so far, the guys I've talked to from the get go, they wanted to do pro wrestling. So they went into a pro wrestling school. They went the, the traditional route of pro wrestling where the where they got scammed or or uh, the guys were just really they had to start from the bottom. So they made them do like yeah. a out. They they could they had to finish this really rigorous uh, physical test that they couldn't pass because it was like crazy. Like so some of the guys had to do like a had to be able to uh, do a Turkish getup with a one hundred pound kettlebell or like you had to be able to do a thousand hindu squats like something really crazy yeah. and they had to train for that they, they do those things they they do those things to run out people who who really don't want it like when i say i came into the back door believe me you like i bust my ass our training uh doing the 500 squats and pro wrestling three hours of pro wrestling training is like five car accidents I mean, I, I've seen the toughest and the biggest, baddest dudes not last. Like, that's one thing I'm not like, uh, I don't, uh, if I was ever, if I could ever say I was proud of myself of anything is I didn't quit my training. And, and there was a lot of people who came through Knox Pro and quit their training. They didn't make it because you have to love it. 
you have to love it because the, the impact, that's not part of the show. That's real life. When you get body slammed or when someone jumps off the top rope and lands on, that's real life. That's, you know, that's, it is what it is. You have to love that in order to not quit. And I'm still here. Um, you, you know, um, I tell you what, the similarities between MMA and, and, and pro wrestling, I mean, they're, they're brother and sister uh, or, or, or stepbrothers or something. But I mean, they're, they're um, you know, a, a lot of they, they both get accused of ripping off each other, which <laughs> wrestling has borrowed from MMA or stolen or stolen. And uh, re- wrestling has done straight up. Uh, they try to pass fights as real, like a uh, real, real life. You know, in real, you know uh, they've done segments and stuff like that where, um, you know, they're, they're trying to make it like an MMA fight. They even took the, ro- the ropes off and had just the, the ring, the mats with people around it. So MMA has influenced pro wrestling in a huge way. And pro wrestling has influenced MMA an even bigger way. Like, let's, let's face it. I mean, it's, it is pro wrestling MMA. Uh, up until they enter the, that octagon, it's wrestling. I mean, you know, they, they got an entrance music. They got the pyro. There's the fans. There's there's the vignettes that appear before the rest. See, now that's all wrestling. The vignettes of the of the beef between the two fighters. They take the footage that built up to the fight. This is all formula from pro wrestling. This is poor pro wrestling 101. So really, who who takes from one and the other the most? To me, I don't know. I think I think they're both awesome, and because uh, uh, one one of them on one hand is the greatest form of entertainment in the world and on the other hand the other one is also the greatest form of the entertainment in the world but you can also get your ass kicked and you know you know what i mean you, you, you can get a, some you can lose some teeth and, <laughs> and, and and get some you know it's two people not working together pro wrestling you know you know y'all are working together this you know mma <clears throat> excuse me uh you know you're not working together so it's going to have different results but and in my opinion, two of the best businesses in the world. And, you know, the thing is that and, and this is what because I've been asked before, like I got into MMA very late. I shouldn't have like when I actually stepped into the cage and started doing that. Uh, I've mentioned this on the show before, but um, it wasn't my plan. I already had a career and I got I did it because I kind of wanted to see what it was like. And the reason I failed, I realize now had nothing to do with skill because I went in with the mentality of a martial artist, not a performer. So because of that, because of that, and I told my guys now, like when they say, oh, I want to do MMA, like, all right, well, one of the things that I'm going to advise you to do is to think about not just your martial arts side, but the entertainment side. You got to be entertaining. Um, That's something that I failed well, when I went in, I wasn't thinking about. I was so focused on the, the training, working with all these coaches, and then getting into the cage. Um, and I didn't even tell you the truth. I wasn't planning on getting into the cage. I got a phone call asking to go into the cage. So I kind of just got thrown into it. And then I lost my yeah. first match in my – I was 35. I should have retired. I retired. I retired. <laughs> I retired when I was 30. I told my wife I wouldn't fight anymore. And at 35, I get offered a cage fight. I'm like – What's a big deal? I, you know, I never really fought for, in front of a camera or anything like that. It's, well, let's try it. Let's try it. You know, it'll be cool. I've never lost a fight. It'll be cool. Maybe I can, you know, go in there. I, you know, I've never lost an MMA match, you know, so I'm going to go in there and um, I'm going to do this. 
And um, and I lost. And then I lost. So I was so mad, A, that the one opportunity I get to be in front of the cameras, I lose. And B, that I didn't, I felt I didn't train hard enough. And then there was a guy, there was a promoter there. And after he watched me fight, he was like, it was kind of, yeah, he was okay. It was kind of boring, you know, because I didn't. I didn't entertain. I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about that, any of that. So, like when I when I finished, I tried. I went on this side journey where I started working with different coaches and doing smokers to try to get back in the camera. Because the guy, the guy, the, the main promoter still liked me. He said, "You can come back." I, you know, I I felt yeah. I felt you were entertaining enough. You can come back and fight. And I was like, "All right, cool." Before I come back and fight for you, I want to make sure I can win. I don't want to just come out here and lose, right? So, like, I went to all these smokers. And long story short. COVID happened and I had to let it all go. But one of the things oh, wow. that I noticed because of pro wrestling was the, you don't really see it. If you're looking at, if you're watching this podcast and you're thinking about getting an anime yeah. and you're a Kaja Kembo guy, one of the things you may be missing is the idea that we, as martial artists, we want to be humble. We want to be these things that we are off camera. Like we, you can still be that. But if you really want to make it an MMA, if that's really your goal, UFC, if that's really your goal, you'd have to be really, 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 really fucking good. If you're really, really good, really good, then you may not have to do so much of the entertainment. But you have to ask yourself honestly, are you really that good? Are you really the best? And if you're not, if you can honestly ask yourself this question and you realize, hey, I'm no, I'm no George St. Pierre, then... Your other right. route to still be in that ring with George St. Pierre is going to be the entertainment. In fact, that's going to be your easiest way there, in my opinion. And I, I could be wrong, but I think McGregor really showed that. McGregor really showed that. That whole thing with the smack talking with Mayweather and and he got he got the most money he ever got, and it wasn't through his it wasn't through his boxing skills. <laughs> you know, like, boxing skills aren't what got him the Mayweather fight. So I think that's one of the things that um, that's one of the reasons I've been talking to pro wrestlers and kind of getting that message out there that for anybody watching the show who's interested in MMA, you really want to learn something. Pro wrestling is definitely, the, the in my opinion, one of the places to start looking. So absolutely, absolutely. You started doing your pro wrestling training. Was there any crossover like between the stuff you remembered from Kaja Kembo and the stuff you were learning in in, in pro wrestling? Was there ever, what, what kind of similarities or differences did you notice in the training? Um, absolutely. Uh, I implemented uh, martial art moves into my, um, my repertoire, if you will. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, um, in pro wrestling, you know, you can't elbow. You can't elbow people. And, you know, you're not supposed to hit closed fists. So there, there's a, um, some things you can't do that you can do in martial arts. But, uh, you know, you can kick and, um, you know, so, um, yeah, no, I, I definitely still implement that spinning roundhouse kick to people. So I'm still knocking people out with that same kick that I learned in Union City. I, I'm taking around the United States, you know, and, and kicking people still with it. Um, and, you know, reading, reading the body, reading the movement, flowing. That was another important thing I learned with Kaji Kembo, you know, it's flowing. And, uh, uh you know, when you're in the ring, you know, um, you know, kind of uh, just sizing up your opponent and, and just flowing and, and, and it's an action reaction type of deal. So, you know, uh, that's yeah, man. 
Yeah. And I don't right, know where I was going with that. <laughs> no, no, no that, that, that works. That, that answers the question. So now, what are your, so like, I try not to talk about this part of what's happened. I mentioned a little bit during my story, but I still think without getting into anything uh, too negative, how has uh, right now, for those of you listening, just to kind of encamps, I'm going to use the wrong word, to not put a timestamp on this episode, but to still kind of relevantly let anybody know who's watching this in the future, what was happening while we recorded this. Um, it's 2021 now, May 15th. And uh, I don't know when this thing will release, but how has COVID affected the pro wrestling community as far as like how they're putting their shows out there, how that's working? Oh man, like like every other business that was has been affected, I mean, it, it's it's stopped customers at the door, just like every movie theater, restaurant. And, you know, without the people, you know, you can't have a show. So the pro wrestling business has learned to adapt like all the other type of businesses, you know, um, it, it's learned to adapt. So now, you, you know, in, in most parts of the United States, now, now it's lifting up. But like in the early, see, I've been wrestling the entire time uh, through COVID. Uh, and I've gotten tested every time I've tested negative every time. Um, so I was going to Florida a lot. I still go to Florida. I'm in Florida like every other month. Um, uh, in Florida, see, see, uh, what I'm trying to get at is, uh, you have nobody in the audience. So you had to stream your shows and, you know, you might, you might make money off of advertisement. You might get money off of like those likes and stars and stuff like that. You know, if you're, you're doing the Facebook deal, you make a little bit of money here and there. Um, which for me, wrestling to an empty crowd wasn't a big deal because the way we were trained, uh, we wrestled to nobody. Uh, we, we, you wrestled one person, Rikishi, and he's a WWE Hall of Famer. And he's almost 400 pounds. And he's Samoan. He'll kill you. I don't know what's more nerve-wracking, just wrestling in front of him or in front of 500 strangers, probably just in front of Kishi. But we we had no problem wrestling in front of nobody. So wherever I went, I had no problem with it. Other wrestlers, that affects you because the energy level, too. There's an energy when you're behind a curtain and there's that roaring crowd or maybe the loud crowd of 250 outside that other curtain. And, you know, if you love what you do, you know, you got you're you're going to, you know, it, it's it's an adrenaline you get and without that you got to mentally check in and, and, and as an actor i mean it doesn't take much for me to tap in like I'm, I'm excited i don't care if there's nobody in the audience i'm stepping in a pro wrestling ring it's my dream come true so i don't care for me but pro wrestling did have it did take a huge hit um but now it looks like it's coming back I, I, my my it's funny because my wrestling schedule is more busier now than it's ever been in the last few years. So I don't know if that's just because people want to, you know, I, I don't know. I guess uh, it's a good sign is what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it was a huge hit, but, it, but things are looking up for the pro wrestling business. That's awesome. And so right now, what are you, what are your plans for the future? What do you, what are you planning? Where do you want to go next? What are your goals for, well, for yourself? I'm, I'm 42 years old. Um, I've been wrestling for 10 years. So, you know, as a, as a WWE, uh, AEW superstar, ROH, 
probably not on on, on uh, the agenda. Probably not on my plate. Uh, you know that that's a whole nother level. There's wrestler. There's there's levels to this game, and that's a whole nother level. You know, um, one of my closest friends is is on that level. If you guys are out there, uh, look up Jacob Fatu, the Samoan werewolf. You know, he he'll, he'll be in WWE. That's somebody I came up with and trained with. Um, for 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 me. I think um, I, I really just really want to focus on uh, acting. Um, acting has been my my bread and butter for the last 20 years out here in Hollywood from doing all the commercial. I've done commercials, television shows, movies, um, you know, and I, I, that's really what I want to do uh, and, and, and still wrestle for as long as I can. But um, yeah, man, and, and just have fun and just be happy. You know, th- th- those are all my goals. Um Right now, um, I, I just filmed uh, an episode of uh, On My Block, which is a net- Netflix show. And then uh, I'm in talks right now with uh, working on something, another movie with, you know, just keep busy is what I'm trying to do. You know, that's all we can do. And do you have any, um, you're kind of moving into the wrap up of the show now, but do you have any uh, social media outlets or anything you want to promote? Yeah, um, you can uh, check me out on uh, Instagram. TMD underscore entertainment, uh, Facebook backslash, uh, TMD, uh, ENT, uh, YouTube, just type in uh, pro wrestler TMD or TMD. And, uh, you can check out my, uh, tag team that I'm in the rock and rodeo express. Um, I produced two music videos, by the way, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but toot toot. So, um, <laughs> if, if you go to YouTube, you type in the Rock and Rodeo Express, you'll see the two music videos that I produced and wrote and directed and started in. I pulled I pulled a Sylvester Stallone. I wrote <laughs> it, I produced it, started. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, that that that's pretty much uh, my, my my deal. And then you can check me out on my Tinder page, uh, or never mind. Wait, wait, Tinder. <laughs> never mind. Sorry, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks. Go ahead and definitely check out joey's work um for the wrap-up thank you very much for listening to social jello with angelo ah i hate saying this but smash that like button smash that subscribe button i know i sound cheesy saying that every fucking time but it really helps you know you know bro you know you know you know why you know you know your branding this uh, coming from a wrestler to you and your show you have to uh, educate people you have to brand you have to push you have to get the word out and in today's uh, uh, element, like that, that's how you got to do it. See, yeah. back in the days, I had to hang up posters on, on phone poles. You know what I mean? I had to hang up flyers. That's how I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, been doing what I've been doing. So that's what you got to do. You got to get the word out there. So don't feel bad, man. Tell them, do it again. Run it back. Yeah. Run it back. And you can edit that, this. You can edit smash it. Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for watching Social Jello with Angelo, and we'll catch you all later. <laughs> Peace.